God, but he's worthy, amen. He's worthy, church. Well, it's my honor and privilege to just uh, welcome you here at Overcome Church this morning. If you're glad to be in the house of the Lord, somebody just give God another hand clap of praise and just say amen. I don't know about you, but this is where, this is where family is for me. This is where I come to just commune with family, to worship the Lord together, and just to be Honestly, this is where I find peace. This is where I find rest. This is where I find refuge in my help in time of need. Right here as I can bow at the altar or I can worship the Father, the King, the Creator of heaven and earth. And here is the place where I find peace the most. Right here in the presence of the Lord. Why? Because the Word of God says He inhabits the praises of His people, Jeremiah. And so right here, right now, as we all lift up the name of Jesus, man. He's here. He's here, church. Wow. Wow. Wow, wow. Somebody pray with me. God, we love you. We thank you so much for your grace and your mercy, God. And we thank you for what you're doing here at Overcome Church, Lord, in us and through us. God, we want to praise your name and lift you on high. Father, you are our banner, Jesus. We lift you high, Jesus. And we love you. We thank you so much for your grace and your mercy, God. We just ask your blessing now as we enter into a time of just receiving your word. Whatever it is you have for us this week, Father, I pray that you would speak directly to the hearts of those that are in this room, including mine. Father, I love you, Lord, and I'm so thankful for this opportunity. It's definitely a privilege to be here this morning. In Jesus' name, I ask your blessing. Amen. Somebody give three people a handshake, high five, or a hug, and just let them know you're glad to see them here at Overcome Church this morning. Somebody give this band a hand clap of praise too, man. Jesus. Jeremiah leads powerful worship every single week. And Jeremiah, just from me to you, I'm so thankful for you and the rest of the band. Thank you guys so much for leading powerfully from the stage each and every week. Well, church, if you got your Bible, go ahead and turn to Revelation chapter 2. You should have a worn spot in your Bible there by now. You should already, you should be able to just flop and it's open to Revelation chapter 2. We've been there for the past couple of weeks um, and for those that it's your first time here, no we're not going into all the stuff that nobody really understands anyway. We're getting into something the Lord laid on our heart to preach. The seven letters to the seven churches, uh, what Jesus says to the church. If you haven't been here, we've been going through this series called Dear Church and I think it's been great. Um, the first week we uh, talked about love and talked about keeping the main thing, the main thing. Jesus told the church 
there in Ephesus. He said, listen, you're doing all this right. Like, look, and this is just a recap here. I could go on this sermon today just because I'm fired up about the love of Jesus and what it does to a group of people. But he's saying to the church of Ephesus, hey, church, you got all the religious stuff right. You're doing it good. You look like a church. You smell like a church. You sound like a church. You're doing really good, and you stack up nicely, but you got one thing wrong. And I wouldn't bring it to your attention if it wasn't the most important thing that you could ever uh, you know, need to get right. But hey, you're not loving like you used to. Like your love is gone. And we talked about how the love of Christ in us and through the church is the most important thing. That's why we, I mean, some people may look at Overcome Church and see our stuff that we wear and, and post and say, well, wow, they, I mean, that's pretty generic. They just say love God and love people. But I, I aim to tell you today, church, that's about as simple as it gets and that's all we need. Our commandment from Jesus himself is to love God with all our mind, uh, soul, heart, body, mind, strength, all that, everything within us, and then love people just the same, amen? And so we talked the first week about love being the main thing and how we should keep the main thing the main thing. The second week we talked about hope. We talked about the fact that there is hope even when culture says that, wow, this is looking like the darkest days of our time. There's hope. Even when uh, we can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, there's hope. Jesus is our refuge. God is where we can turn to in our time of need. We can come boldly before the throne of grace to find help in our time of need. That's the access that Jesus gives us through the blood poured out on the cross for your sins and mine as we enter into a relationship with the creator of the universe. Can can you believe that? Can you like let that just register for half a second? The creator of the universe, excuse me, the one that literally said, let there be, Scott, and boom, nothingness obeyed his command. He just wants a relationship with you and I. And we have that access granted to us through the blood of Jesus. Church, there's hope. And so uh, uh, this is the third week, and I'm excited to preach this, but I'm scared to preach this to you. Okay, I got to tell you, the, the last two have been really awesome. I can get fired up on the last two, uh, but this one's kind of heavy. These sermons aren't the sermons that I, I, I don't aim, like I don't love to preach a sermon like I have to preach today. But uh, I hope today we um, not only are challenged, trust me church, through the past couple of weeks I've been challenged. Um, and you'll know why here in just a minute. Uh, and I told Sandra last night, I think, I think I told Sandra last night, I'm scared to preach this one. I got to tell you, I really am. She gets all my deepest, darkest, you know, uh, and by deepest, darkest, I mean like all my anxieties, my fears. She knows everything. Like, uh, she knows me from the inside out. And so I, I'm telling Sandra, like, hey, I'm, I'm nervous. And even now I'm, I'm stalling. So, <laughs> Y'all turn your Bible to Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse 12. This is uh, to the church of Pergamum. You remember that name? Pergamum? The first week we, uh, we read the letter to the church of Ephesus, and Jesus mentioned these guys. And here we are, we're going to uh, hear what Jesus has to say to them, but then also to us, Remember that statement at the end of every single one of these letters has been, let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. And so I believe 100% that these letters are meant not only specifically for these churches, but as well as for us today. I think Jesus said it then for them and now for us. And so 
As we read, pay attention and read along with me. The, uh, the Bible says in Revelation, or Revelation chapter 2, verse 12, Write to the angel of the church of Pergamum. Thus says the one who has the sharp, double-edged sword. That sounds familiar. I know where you live, where Satan's throne is. Ooh. Yet you are holding on to my name and did not deny your faith in me, even in the days of Antipas, um, my faithful witness, who was put to death among you, where Satan lives. Wow, that, I mean, that's, that's encouraging. But I have a few things against you. Like, I love how Jesus always does this. Like, he commends them. Like, you're doing this pretty well. You know, you're, you're doing all right. But then, hey, let me let you know about this. That's how he does. You have some there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak uh, to place a stumbling block in front of the Israelites, to eat meat sacrificed to idols, uh, and to commit sexual immorality. Uh, in the same way, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Y'all remember the Nicolaitans? If you read the first uh, letter in Revelation chapter 2, Jesus makes a bold statement about these dudes over here at uh, Nicolaitia. These Nicolaitans here are not on Jesus' nice list, <laughs> for uh, lack of a better way of saying it, like, he literally makes the statement that he hates the Nicolaitans. And so I wonder why, and we'll get into that here in a second. But Jesus begins to call for repentance. He says, so repent, otherwise I will come quickly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some uh, of the hidden manna, I will also give him a white stone, and on the, on the stone, a new name is inscribed. Uh, that one, or that no one knows except the one who receive, or, yeah, receives it. Um, look, at, look at what's going on here. By the way, today, church, I... I the message today is, dear church, just surrender. Dear church, just surrender. If you're writing anything down, write down, just surrender. Um, I got to tell you, church, it's hard to preach this today because I'm the type of guy that really wants to fire. I would rather fire you up <laughs> about Jesus and his love and his grace and his mercy and his passion. And we'll get there today. But, like, we got to walk through some tough stuff for a second. And I don't like to. And I'll tell you, this has really, you know, honestly, I've been challenged by the Word of God and convicted and literally had to spend uh, extracurricular time on my knees um, just so I could even preach this this morning. So please uh, stay with me. If you're online, don't click off yet. It's, it's, it's going to get better. Uh, but like I said, week one, we talked about the love of God and how love is the main thing. Week two, we talked about hope. This week, we're talking about surrender. Um, look at what's going on here. He writes to the church in Pergamum. Remember, Pergamum is this place that Jesus says is uh, politically uh, strong, like strong politically. 
and um, we took note that it's because of their geographical positioning. They're in a good spot. The enemy can't necessarily grab a hold of them, but um, you know, I think it's funny, though, uh, their geographical location uh, being a strategic stronghold uh, in regards to like worldly battle, Jesus makes the statement that they may be secure from the worldly enemy, but Satan lives there. Um, and it's just wild to me. And Jesus makes mention of the fact that there are some among them that, um, that hold to the teaching, teachings of this guy named Balaam. And, um, and some of the teachings of the Nicolaitans. And that they're kind of a mixed culture. That the church there is kind of, you know, they're, they're not really, like, he says that um, you are holding on to my name and did not deny your faith in me, even in the days of Antipas. And so uh, what he's talking about here is that, man, you did not deny me when people were dying in my name. And you held on to your faith during that time. But then he begins to talk about how there are some of you there that are believing some of these teachings. Ooh, I get choked up. Some of these teachings that are just wrong. And it's going to lead you down a road that is going to cause you a lot of hurt. And so today I want to talk about surrender. Look at verse 12. The Bible says, Write to the angel of the church in Pergamum. And this is what I want you to pay attention to. Thus says the one who has the sharp, double-edged sword. We've heard that terminology before, haven't we? If you're writing anything down, my first point is surrender to the authority of the Word of God. Whatever happened to the authority of the Word of God? It's like nowadays we would much rather just read a book from somebody that we think had possibly spent some time in the Word of God. And we would rather read their thoughts as opposed to just actually digging into the Word of God ourselves. We're so apart, and I'm not knocking you, I'm knocking myself as well. We're so a part of a culture now where we would rather just little snippets of things because we can take information easier that way if we just grab a little snippet. Whatever the whatever this guy has uh result like whatever his study has resulted in, let us just have a ten minute synopsis of all the hard work and we'll get the main idea and we're good and we'll run with that and we'll create our own theological doctrines and ways of believing through that and it'll be okay and your truth will be your truth, my truth will be my truth and we'll call it truth and it'll be okay, and um, you know, it just used to not be that way, you know, and I don't understand, I, I kind of, I guess I, my cult, or my generation is kind of in this limbo, because we, um, my generation is like, uh, we, we've come out of the generation where it was just like all hard facts, and preaching nothing but fire and brimstone, and if it wasn't from KJV only Bible, and I'm not knocking anybody who believes this stuff, but just hear me out here, uh, if it wasn't KJV only, then it's nothing, it's not the word of God. We went from one extreme to now we're to another extreme, and my generation is kind of in limbo here during that transition, and I'm kind of like, uh, like what are we doing? Because I see a culture today that does not 
like necessarily agree upon the authority of the word of God. We, the culture that we live in today doesn't see this and think authority. They don't see this and think uh, how I base my life. And you may, and that's great. Some of y'all are looking at me like, what you talking about? Like I do. And you may, but the culture we live in don't. And that's the thing. A lot of people don't look at this and think, I will base my life off of this. A lot of people don't look at this and say, Jesus, on your word, I will stand and I will base my life. No, the culture today looks at this and says, oh, what a great suggestion. Come on, church. What a great suggestion. That, that, that seems like an all right way to live. As long as my ROI and everything's working out great, my investments are okay and I'm allowed to act the way I want, say the things I want, and do the things I want, and identify as whoever I want, and this, that, and the other. And, and I told you, it's, it gets murky for me, because I, I got my own sin to deal with. I don't want to talk about anybody else's. But I'm charged by the Word of God and by the Creator of the universe to preach the whole truth of the Word of God and not beat around the bush. And so as we enter into this series, like I'm charged to just preach the truth of the, the, seven, um, the seven letters here. And I come upon this letter, and I see a culture that Jesus... Jesus is talking to where it's like, hey, you're doing good in your faith. You believe in me enough to not deny me when people were threatening to kill you in the wake of your belief. But you're holding on to beliefs that are going to kill you themselves. You're believing false narratives and, and lies and false doctrines and things of this sort. Um, he goes on to talk about the Nicolaitans, which we'll talk about here in the next point. But read this verse with me. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 through 13. The Bible says, For the word of God is living and effective. Living and effective. It's living and effective. Somebody say, it's effective. It's not just a great suggestion, but it's effective in our life, and sharper than any double-edged sword. Wait a second, at the start of the, uh, the, the letter, we read, thus says the one who has the sharp double-edged sword. Who's speaking in the letter? Jesus, the one who has the double-edged sword. The word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of the soul and spirit. Your best doctor can't even do that. Joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions. Notice the terminology there, and I want you to pay attention to it. As bad as you don't like it, it's hard for me to digest sometimes as well. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. A lot of people look at this thing and they will become so offended by something that it says and throw it away, cancel it like the rest of culture. They'll just cancel it. They'll cancel the Bible because it uh, completely and directly confronted them on a piece of uh, sin that is in their life and, and, and it's meant to do that. Did you know that it is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword penetrating as far as the separation of the soul and spirit, joints and marrow? It is able to judge the th Thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from it, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him um, who we must give an account. We've lost touch of the fact that there is a time when we will give an account. And it's not to uh, like save not the, the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus works wonders. 
And the blood of Jesus covers a multitude of sins. And the blood of Jesus washes us white as snow. And we know that in this place. And I'm not disregarding the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus for all and for any that would come uh, to, uh, to uh, seek the Lord in repentance. But what I'm saying today is this, that we have disregarded the fact that this is authority. This, uh, this will last longer than you and I. This will last longer than the foundations of the earth. You can't do anything about it either. And I know that's hard to digest because we live in a day and age where we will form a committee quicker than you can say the word committee to change a rule. No committee can change this. No meeting. You can't get a meeting together quick enough to do anything about what's said in this. No riots, no protests, no demonstrations can change the words that are in this. You cannot cancel the word of God. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 24 through 25, says this, For all flesh is like grass, and all of its glory like a flower of the grass. Listen to this. It says you're beautiful, but the grass withers and the flower falls. But the word of the Lord endures forever and this word is the gospel that was uh, proclaimed to you church the word of god is our authority the word of god is where we uh we base not only not only our faith our belief but how we live our life it directs our path the word of god sharper than any double-edged sword jesus himself directs our paths he is our authority. On him is who we stand. And we will trust in his word and his promise to guide us in this life. And anything outside of his word, it doesn't stand up. My second point, verse 14 and 15. But I have few things against you, Jesus says to this church of Pergamum. You have some there who hold to the teaching of Balaam. Who taught Balak to place a stumbling block in the front of the Israelites to eat meat sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality? In the same way, you also have those who hold to the teachings of the Nicolaitans. Church, um, not only do we need to just surrender to the authority of the Word of God, but we should surrender our undealt with sin. And a lot of us have it. I think complacency is a Christian's cancer. I say it a lot. I probably say it too much. Like I, I just regurgitate it constantly and constantly because I never want to get complacent. But I think in a moment of getting complacent, it's easy to inherit or not inherit, but habitually just attach, um, you know, oh, well, the blood of Jesus covers it, you know. And we begin to get comfortable in our nest of church life and we throw off. Um, we throw off this ability to recognize sin being sin and holiness being holiness. And we're called as Christians to live a holy life the best we know how and the best we can. And God's grace covers where we can't. And we will fall, and it's okay. God's grace covers that, and Jesus' blood covers that as well. But should we sin just so grace may abound? Paul says, surely not. God forbid, right? But some of us get comfortable in the Christian lifestyle just will nestle into our Christian life and uh, we're 
doing good and we got all the faith in the world to never deny Jesus in the front of anybody who brings a sword against us. We'll never deny Jesus. But in some way, we kind of begin to slack in our ability to realize our own heart's condition and even the greatest of men of God and even the greatest of women of God fall short before the glory of God. And we find ourselves easily slacking and we find ourselves in a moment of uh, undealt with sin. We have sin inside of us that is just undealt with, um, wrapped around complacency and, and every other complaint we can give it. We live in a culture today much like Sodom and Gomorrah. You read about those places, horrible places, I know. We look at Sodom and Gomorrah, oh, that's so horrible. But if you turn the news channel on, you'll, you'll read the Bible visually. It'll be a visual representation. We live in a culture today, much like Sodom and Gomorrah, where pleasurable sin, get this church, pleasurable sin is of greater value than spiritual obedience, all in the name of YOLO. You only live once, right? So live it up, Right? You only live once, have a great time while you're living. And all in the name of YOLO, our spiritual obedience takes um, a, a second place stance in the name of our, or uh, when it comes to our pleasurable sin. Our pleasurable sin is of greater value than our spiritual obedience. That's the culture we live in. Why? Because you only get this one life and who knows when our life will end. We can get, you know, we all name these off constantly. Um, we could, you know, the war's kind of sketchy. Uh, we could get hit by a car. Everybody likes the train analogy for whatever reason. We'll hit get hit by a train, whatever. You know, we always talk about, oh, you could die today, so live your life, just have fun, and your truth is your truth, and just believe that. That sounds like the gospel of the Nicolaitans. When Jesus is saying, no, child, your time is on my determination. And child, I set your path straight. And child, I direct you. And it's up to me. It's, it goes back to the authority of Jesus, the authority of his word, right? And we walk around today in a culture that says, YOLO, live your life, uh, live your life while you got it. You only live once when in all reality, hey, there's a whole eternity that comes after this life that most of us ain't even thinking about, right? Look at the, you know, he makes that, com uh, that comment about the Nicolaitans. He says, um, that some of those in Pergamum are holding to the teachings of the Nicolaitans. And so I look up the Nicolaitans, and people have done uh, vast studies about these guys. And I don't have time to give you every accusation, nor do I want to sit here and point out somebody else's flaws to you all day long. That's not what I like to preach about. But I will say this, the Nicolaitans were a religious cult created from Greek paganism whose beliefs made a way for their lustful desires, almost um, accusing the, or almost excusing their actions um, in their beliefs. Uh, so, in other words, they were a religious group that made excuses for why their lustful desire should be accepted. And it just sounds like our culture today. It sounds like the day in which we live. Everybody's so offended and everybody's so upset at every, like nobody accepts authority anymore. Nobody accepts um, 
like leadership. Everybody's a leader nowadays, and everybody is their own authority. And and I think this culture we live in, and some of us maybe even, are just like the Nicolaitans, where we'll just create our own uh, belief system to excuse our lustful desires. We will come up with every loophole possible in order to get away uh, justifiably with our sin. And God's looking at his church and he's like, it hurts me. It hurts. I'm looking at my bride. I'm looking at my church, the one I died for on the cross. And it hurts to see you guys just striving to be okay with yourself in sin. Yet I'm sitting here looking at you like, no, you are... You are so far away from me right now, it's unbelievable, and if you only knew, right? But Jesus is talking to this church in Pergamum, and he's saying, listen, I'm making you aware today that you have to deal with this undealt with sin in your life. The sin that you keep pushing on the back burner because you can kind of come up with an excuse. Like some of us can kind of manipulate a verse in scripture how we would like it to be in order to fit why we do what we do or when we do it or how we do it. You know, we can kind of, you know, it, it shocks me the, the different versions of the Bible today. And I'm not a version stickler guy. I preach from the CSB. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry. I can't help you there. But I preach from the CSB. I like the CSB. Some people think it's not even a Bible. I think it's great. Um, and, but I look at these other versions today like the Queen James Bible that takes out Huge chapters, huge, eliminates an entire doctrine just to fit the narrative of um, a particular group in our country today. And I just think, what is God looking, like, what is God saying to that sort of thing? Like, a lot of us want him to, like, hate it, like, hate him and, and be so mad. But I think most of all, he's just hurt. I think most of all, his heart is like, no. I love you way too much for you to believe like this. You know, and I think, um, I think Jesus, I think he's just hurt. You know, we almost do this today. We search far and wide to find loopholes for the fleshly desires that we have. And Jesus is saying to you and I today, I, you know, it hurts me to see you like this. You ever have a loved one that, um, that they're just not doing too well. And you've helped them all you can help them. And you just say, it just hurts me to see you like this. Like Jesus has given us every avenue for liberty and a life that's really worth living. And I'm preaching a series to the students on Wednesdays called uh, The Good Life. And, you know, he, Jesus makes the statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. And I believe Jesus when he says he's the way to the Father. He's the truth that is found in his word, and he is the life that is worth living. And I believe that there is a life that is set up for you and I with purpose, and, and, and that is really worth living. But like um, Mark Hall from Casting Crown said one time, I was at a concert and he said this and it just resonated with me. We're just like we're just like dogs chasing our tails. We don't have any direction sometimes and we're just so foolish in our ways. We'll find loopholes just to just to justify our sin. 
Listen, church, Jesus died to give us liberty. He died to give us freedom, but not freedom of sin, freedom from sin. He died to give us a way out, a way away from our sin. All have fallen and come short of the glory of God. But grace meets us where we are and brings us from that place of sinful, lustful desire into a life worth living with purpose and power and perspective on who God is compared to who you are. I preached that sermon very early on in our life here at Overcome Church called Prayer Posture, and I talked a lot about not the position you take as you pray, but more so the position of who you are to who you're praying to, that God is not this scary man on a throne somewhere up in heaven with a lightning bolt that wants to strike you down because of your sin. More than that, he's a father in heaven just waiting on your return waiting on you to come to him with his arms open spread wide open with grace and mercy and love just waiting on you to choose for yourself to love him and to come into a relationship with him and I think that's what Jesus' reaction to our sin is today a lot of us in this room may be dealing with or not dealing with it but a lot of us may uh, have undealt with sin in our life right now and you're thinking about it right now as I speak and it may be on you right now as I speak and your heart is pounding and you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit right now that's okay like why are we entered into a culture where we're unable to hear from the Holy Spirit like the Holy Spirit is alive and real and he is within the Christian and within the believer of Christ why are we unable to hear the truth from the Holy Spirit we would much rather just cancel the Holy Spirit our culture would I don't know church surrender your undealt with sin In church, I told you this was going to be hard. Uh, it's, it's difficult for me to preach these messages. I can't get fired up and jump off the stage and jump around like an idiot. I, you know, I, This challenged me as well. Verse 16, Jesus calls ref, uh, for repentance. So repent. Otherwise, I will come to you quickly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. I wonder what the sword of his mouth is. You got it. Repent, otherwise I will come against them and fight them with the sword of my mouth. That's what Jesus says. Hmm. Church, Surrender in spite of offense. The word of God is offensive sometimes. Sometimes it's hard to swallow what's in this thing. Sometimes it's hard to take. No doubt some of you are sitting in this room today and you're like, wow, today's message, I've never heard Austin preach a message like this before. And I typically don't preach these type of messages but it just so happened we were in this, um, this series, and it falls my lot to preach this today. I'm not preaching this because I think you have a, a jacked up relationship with the Lord. I don't know your heart, but the Word of God does, and the Lord does. The Spirit of God does, and I don't know. There may be a purpose, a reason as to why I'm preaching this today. I definitely wouldn't have chose to preach this had I known families, plurally, families, brand new, never been to Overcome Church before, are here today. By the way, praise God for you, and thank you for joining us here at Overcome Church this morning. 
I would preach something far more encouraging than this. But what I'm saying is, um, it, it fell my lot to preach this this morning. And I just got to tell you, the Word of God is offensive sometimes. And it doesn't just pet our backs and, 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 and feed us cupcakes all the time, you know. It's not a hot tub with a nice fruity drink beside it, you know. The Word of God is offensive sometimes. And I think about that quote that I've always held on to. I heard Billy Graham say it one time, and, uh, you know, some may have their views about Billy Graham. I don't care. But, you know, he said this one time. He said the, the cross is, you know, he's all hung up on the cross. Um, the cross is so offensive because it directly confronts the sin that is in the hearts of everybody in the world. And, you know, I think the same about the, the Bible. The Bible is so offensive, church, because it directly confronts the sin that is in our lives. The sin that we won't deal with. The sin that we won't deal with. And I told you, church, I had to spend some extracurricular time on my knees before I could even preach this. I couldn't stand up here and preach this had I not dealt with things on my own. Church, I don't stand up here as some man that's perfect and that's got this figured out. The whole church in Pergamum had no clue. And maybe some of you do, but I did. I don't. I don't have it all figured out. But I know, church, we need to deal with undealt with sin in spite of offense. The Word of God is offensive, and we live in a day and age where everyone is offended by every move somebody else makes. Literally, somebody could sneeze wrong and think they're being disrespectful and cancel them. And the church needs to surrender in spite of offense. Yes, the Bible is offensive because it directly confronts the habitual sin that is in each and every one of us that we enjoy too much. Right? And everyone wants a great pastor. I've heard this said before, so I'm going to say it this morning. Everyone wants a great pastor until he begins to expect them to be great people, great Christians. Right? He starts preaching like we ought to be great Christians, and oh, well, there he goes. He's one of them. I, I heard this said this week, too. I'm, I'm totally robbing these lines from somebody else. We want Christ back in Christmas, but I think we need to get Christ back in the Christian. Right? And totally robbed that from somebody. But what I'm saying is what happened, what, what happened to the day when it wasn't too much to come to the altar? What happened to the day when it wasn't an inconvenience to get up from where you are, make your way to the altar, and surrender to the authority of the Word of God? Surrender, not to any man on stage or to anybody in the building, but to God, the creator of the universe. What happened to the day when it wasn't too much to actually surrender your life over to the Lord. What happened to that day? What happened to the day when people uh, heard and were convicted by the word of God and the Holy Spirit working in their hearts and they would know inside of them, oh, I have to do something about this. Like I remember as a student, I was, uh, I was sitting in Michael Gasway, you may remember him, he came and preached during our Shake the City series Michael Gasway, I was sitting in his youth group, he was preaching from his cell phone. Like he, you know, he was just off the wall. Like people would look at him back in that day, people would look at him and be like, oh, he's Satan worshiper. He's preaching from his cell phone. But he would preach from his cell phone, right? It would be, it would be the wildest whatever. 
But he was preaching the truth of God. And I remember one night I was just hearing just the, the truth of God come on me. And over weeks and weeks and weeks of being compelled by the Holy Spirit just to move, make a move, make a move. Jesus just, I mean, just plainly hearing from the gospel, Jesus say, I love you, and I don't care where you've been, I care about where you're going, and I just want a life with you, and I just want a relationship with you, and I've died for that, and I, my love goes as far as the east is from the west, I'll cast your sin that far too, and I will, I will, uh, I will straighten you up, I will send you on a great way, I'll give you purpose, I'll give you passion, I'll give you perspective, and I'll lead you all the days of your life if you'll just give your life to me. And one day, after just hearing enough, the Holy Spirit just began to work on me so much so that my heart was pounding out of my chest, and I couldn't take it anymore, and I got up from where I was, and I just came to an altar, and I just bowed down, and I gave my life to the Lord. And I just remember a day when people were convicted by the Holy Spirit. I remember a day when people actually responded to what Jesus was saying in the room. And I don't know if we've just decided that that's not uh, needed anymore. Or I don't know if we've decided that that's just old news and we shouldn't respond to the gospel anymore. But I'm saying today that Jesus is calling out to you, friend, that there is undealt with sin in the room and you need to deal with it. And in spite of your offense, because yeah, oh, I'm mad he talked about my sin today and he don't even know it. In spite of your offense, in spite of the Bible directly confronting your sin, you get up anyway and you come to the altar and you bow at the feet of Jesus and you just surrender. And you just give Jesus what's, what's on you. He knows it anyway, but you just lay it out. Man, what happened to doing that? What happened to just surrendering to the Lord? We need to come out of agreement with this lazy faith culture. We need to stop agreeing with the Nicolaitans. We need to stop agreeing that, well, I can sit right here and I can pray a quick, God, please forgive me. With no intention, with no heart, with no meaning. And well, Jesus did die on the cross for me too, didn't he? It should be enough. We live our relationship out on technicality more than relational equity. We would rather treat the word of God like a contract to hold God to as opposed, <laughs> that's dangerous, as opposed <laughs> to being convicted by the word of God and responding in accordance to it. That's dangerous, church. Jesus tells the church here in Pergamum, hey guys, you and your faith is awesome. You got awesome faith. Jeremiah, y'all can come if you're ready. Like guys, you got awesome faith. Faith enough to believe in me and trust in my promises that even when somebody threatens the sword against you, you would not deny me, but yet you would still uh, raise my name as your banner. That's faith. Wow, you got great faith. And I think, some of us in here got some great faith. But then he says, I do have this against you. Sometimes your faith gets lazy. You got some lazy faith. You live your relationship with God out like, like a contract. Like he should just abide by what he said, but you shouldn't abide by what you said. I don't know if this is you in here this morning, but 
you may need to surrender. And I, I'm not one of those preachers that are like, we got to get back to the old way, the old, you know, whatever. I, I'm not like that. Please don't mistake the suit. I don't wear this every week, new people. I don't wear suits. Um, I just, that is probably the wrong week to wear suits. <laughs> I sound like some hardcore um, death preacher up here. But what I want to say is this. There may be somebody. Man, I wonder if there's somebody that was like me that just was convicted by this. And was like, man, I, I got to, I just got to. It's again another cry from Jesus just to remember the love you had at first. Remember what it was like in the beginning when you weren't afraid to just get up from where you are and deal with what's in you. Deal with what's in your on your heart. Who cares what anybody thinks? Who cares? Oh, did you see her? She went to the altar today. Forget them. Forget them. We're talking about eternal life and death. And you're worried about what Susan said. Not you, Susan. Sorry. That was the first. This, not, not this Susan. This Susan would never say that. Susan was the first name that came to my head. Probably shouldn't have said that. You know what I'm saying, though. Like, we're so worried about what everybody else thinks. Forget them. Forget them. We're talking about eternal life and death. We're talking about eternity. We're talking about what comes after this. And a lot of y'all are like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not too far off. I think you look very young and handsome today. But what I'm saying is this. For those of you that are young, the younger ones in here, I know we get, we get in those modes where it's like, we got a lot of time. We got time for days. And I don't know how much time we got left. All I know is, as I was studying for this message, I, I just got so burdened, not only for myself, but for my family, for the church, and just for the culture we live in today, because it's, um, it's almost like we've gotten into this uh, lazy faith, where it's just like, we would rather just ride on the coattails of whoever else read it first and whoever preached it first and whoever done it first. We'll just ride on their coattails and hopefully get it right. And Jesus loves us right anyway, right? And his blood covers our sin anyway, right? And it's just like Jesus is looking at the church today, I think, sometimes and just saying, you don't even know what a real relationship with me is like. You don't know the freedom I can give you. You don't know the life that is so worth living. You think you do, but man, if you would just surrender, if you would surrender everything, if you would just invest everything, if you would go all in for me, I think Jesus is saying, if you'll go all in for me, we'll have a life. You will see that this life is so worth living. I think it's crazy that out of our uh out of our, and I'm rounding up here, but out of our need to surrender everything comes the most abundance we can ever get. And that's okay. If you feel led by the Holy Spirit to come, you come now. Out of, our, out of the command to go all in is when the most is returned back to us. It's crazy talking to the, I talked to the student, and I'm going to end with this right here. I talked to the students this week in the series, The Good Life, about trust, and I said, who's got trust issues? And I raised my hands, too. A lot of us got some trust issues. 
we talked about why we could probably have some trust issues. But then I thought about this, man. You know what? The, one of the characteristics of trust is surrender. If you trust the Lord, you can surrender. You can, you can lay everything down. Like, I trust you, Lord. I trust that you're enough. I trust that your blood payment on the cross was enough for me. I trust that you're able to sustain me today. I trust that you're able to keep me today. I trust you with my life, and so I surrender. That is a characteristic of trust, surrender. And so I don't know if you're in here in this place today and you, um, you say, wow, I have some undealt with sin that I just need to deal with, or wow, I have some fear and anxiety that I just won't give to the Lord that I need to, or wow, I'm in here and, and I, I, I say I trust the Lord, but I haven't surrendered my life. Would you surrender, church? Dear church, just surrender. So I'm going to give you this opportunity now. Some have already come. I pray, Lord, that, you, that, that, that more would come. I pray that it wouldn't be too hard for you to just get up from where you're at. Forget what anybody thinks or says. This is a place of regeneration, of healing, of renewal, of grace, of mercy, of love, of peace. This is where you find refuge. This is where you find help in time of need. And so get up from where you're at. Come to the altar and receive grace and receive that renewal. Receive the Holy Spirit today. Receive Jesus into your life. Hey, church, I'm going to pray, and then you take this opportunity, and you take